everybody. Keith and Robert here from racetothekingdom.org. And we are wrapping up our series on uh, God is a Hoodie. And um, we've been talking about, uh, you know, what it is to put God on and basically to to wear him as a hoodie, to, to a nice, comfortable, soft, warm hoodie. Not uh, not this time of year, though. It's, it's 101 degrees outside here in San Antonio. But uh, um, otherwise, so what we're going to talk about today, it's, it's really probably, uh, it may be one of the or the most controversial topics that uh, we've addressed so far. Uh, and that is the idea of, of wages and works for faith and for that there's a there's that there's a consequence to not working your sanctification uh, i'm going to introduce keith keith mckay keith mckay depending on if you're scottish or not and uh, we americans <laughs> say right. mckay you know yeah. the scottish just they, they say mckay keith say <laughs> hi to everybody hey guys scottish accent uh, I don't have a Scottish accent, but uh, I do have a Scottish heart. And uh, so the idea of, you know, drawing your sword and storming the field of Bonnetbird to set captives free, I definitely love that imagery. And uh, so Braveheart was truly one of my favorite uh, movies in depicting that. But um, uh, Robert's right when it comes to what we're talking about today and coming under on the racetrack our god is a hoodie um, fueling station is important this this article is found on our website under the articles page and you can see what we're racing for and we're racing for the inheritance of the kingdom and the wages in which God has um, promised to repay his faithful followers. And that's what he was looking for. Um, that's what we've told you in other podcasts and vidcasts. We've, we've encouraged you that the making of disciples was actually the disciplined part of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And then the um, application to his disciples was to gain something that they are actually laboring for a reason and that there is a greater application in God's economy as our boss. He is our employer and he has employed us to do his works. And so we're going to get through some, uh, we're going to go through some um, passages here that clearly state what this ball game is about so that we don't get confused. This is um, uh, Robert, if you'll just read Ephesians there, chapter two, eight and nine, and we'll show you the difference even in one passage of what we're talking about. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So we have a, we have an understanding of God's work for us through his son, Jesus Christ. We cannot add to that. We cannot take away from it the justification given to us through the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin 
There is no amount of works that can add to his work. But now that we are saved by his blood, we are called to be his workmanship. So, um, Robert, will you read the yep. next verse to Tim? Yep. So literally the next sentence. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we talk about a, a previous um, part of the racetrack, which was the three parts to salvation. And if you don't understand the three parts to salvation, um, you won't understand this application because we have a part of salvation that Jesus supplied. And it is through our faith in the finished work of Jesus that we are saved in justification. And now the race has started of sanctification in order to receive the salvation of glorification. This is a conditional race based on our faithfulness, just like the Israelites came out of Egypt and were trying to receive glorification in the promised land. And that story is given to the church as an example. And so we are showing you that our good works, which really are many. Um, the, the work that God has designed for us to walk in and which he will hold us accountable for living out in our lives is, um, is what this whole paradigm of helping one another run a faithful race is about. Mm -hmm. And so um, the repayment, we're going to focus on some passages that just again, support this understanding of wages being given. And Robert, when you hear the word wages being given, what does that bring to your, your mind? Oh, it's, uh, you know, anytime being an, a type A capitalist, uh, anytime you talk about wages, <laughs> it's, it's, it's dollars. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, um, it's, it's something valuable, right? It's something that can be exchanged for something else. It may yeah. be currency. It could be, you know, food. It could be grain. It could be anything that you can then turn around somewhere else and turn into some other, uh, you know, something other, something else for value. Yeah. And so we have a, we have a clear understanding of that living in the economy of the earth with our earthly expression of work. Our earthly expression of work is, you know, we have wages for work. And even if you're hired or you own your own company and you understand that the labor in which you give will also be given a wage for that labor. And so you know, perfect example of um, a job that you are trying to receive a living and to earn a living from. And we're going to hit both aspects of wages. So, Robert, what happens if you don't do what your boss has asked you to do? You're fired. <laughs> Or, or maybe not, maybe not. That <laughs> or you're at least reprimanded. <laughs> yeah, you're at least reprimanded. Yeah. We're going to write you up. We're going to, or you're not given a promotion. You know, maybe, right. uh, maybe you're a, 
you're an okay employee and and not a not a great employee but you have value and but you know you just never move ahead because you know you you tend to do the minimum you tend to whatever right there's you know there's a whole bunch yeah. of definitions to that right right um, and, and and we've talked about how the image of god was transferred to us and how we live out the same expressions uh, even romans 120 says we're without excuse to know god because of how he designed things the way that we innately behave even though it's marred by sin we still are governed by eternity that's been set into our hearts. King Solomon said that in the book of Ecclesiastes. So we recognize that the reason why we set up government is because God has set up government. Mm -hmm. He is the governing authority. He's the one who is the ruler over everything. And so we innately, as human beings, have the desire to govern have law, have justice. So all of this pertains to the system that we have set up in work. Same thing in God's economy. So, so don't miss out of that simple understanding, right? Mm -hmm. And now, uh, Robert, scroll down a second, and we'll read you some verses about, you know, about this and about God's um, wages. So what's that say in Matthew 22, 21? They said, Caesar's, then they said to him, therefore, then he said to them, speaking of Jesus, therefore, rent to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. Now, what does that mean to you? So it's interesting, you know, um, every, every time I saw that, in fact, when I saw it, when they played this scene at The Chosen, right, on The Chosen TV show, uh, you think about that, hey, you know, just give Caesar what he wants. It's it, give her Caesar what he's due and give, you know, give the taxes or give whatever. And what I realized, and you've got it underlined, um, but give and then give to God the things that are God's, which means, yeah. you know, really, as I read that and I, you know, I really sort of had a revelation as we were sort of reviewing show notes coming into this thing is, is that, wait a minute, that's kind of a throwaway in most of these things, right? Uh, right. and that's, but this means we owe something, right? Mm. If we owe something to Caesar that we have yeah. to give to Caesar, then we owe something to God that we need to give to God. Yeah. Right. That's true. I've never yeah, thought that's... about it that way, but it's, it's <laughs> really, that was a real epiphany for me that, well, if I owe something to Caesar because he, I earned something or whatever, if I own something to, you know, the state of Texas or I own something, owe something to, you know, the IRS and the government of the United States because they've given something to me, right. uh, uh, you know, whatever, yeah. uh, you know, military and, and land, you know, not land, but military and security and infrastructure and things like that. I owe something to Caesar for that. I owe something to the government for that. Then I owe something to God for what he's given me uh, in justification, and then right. my upcoming glorification, right? Well, it's the same thing as we like to, to, to give sports analogies, right? So, you know, I was, I was given a scholarship to, to play in college, and I was expected to 
to work for that um, college by performing what they had expected me to perform. Mm -hmm. So they gave me a scholarship to come play and represent their university so that I would um, win matches for them and give them a reputation. And so, again, we have the same employer through Jesus Christ, who has died for us, who has paid and given us a scholarship to be on his team. And now we owe him. And this is why he gets to bring, he's the one that gets to bring the wages and the repayment for those who have um, lived their life for him, or even if they haven't lived their life for him. Mm -hmm. So again, when I did not please my coach, when, when Cain and Abel uh, brought their sacrifice to God, okay, here it is, God, out of all the stuff you gave me, I'm giving you this back. Cain did not please God. Abel did. So again, we had some consequences there. So in Revelation 22, which is the end of the book, end of God's story, the, the whole ballgame is really leading up to this, um, this situation where Jesus gets to come back, where the one who ran his race and proved faithful in what his uh, race was, and now he's been given a kingdom, and now he gets to bring it back. And he gets to mete out this kingdom to whoever he wants. We have this uh, verse that's being said. So, Robert, we read that verse. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Revelation is 22, 12 and 13. So we, we just wanted you to see the word for recompense, which is wages. It's the word, uh, you know, mythos. So right there in um, in our concordance, uh, yep. Robert, if you can. Uh, yep, got it. Yep, sorry. There you go. And we have uh, the help word study, a reward, a recompense that appropriately compensates a particular decision or action. So it, it is, again, related directly with the work. Mm -hmm. The wage is related directly with the work. And then we have a repay or to render. And so apodinomai is the word in Greek. And so it means properly to give from, to return, especially as a payment in relation to the source of the giving back. So we have, we have an employer that has given us a employment in himself to represent his kingdom on earth and to run a race to receive the wages that he has promised those who will run faithfully and represent his kingdom on earth. And so we have this wonderful um, opportunity, if you will, 
And that opportunity is called the gospel of the kingdom. It's called salvation. It is called the deliverance from an earthly life to a kingdom life. And this is what we are racing to receive the promised inheritance of that kingdom life when Jesus returns. And so we actually have two types of wages that are being um, promised. We will show you some other verses. We have what would be considered good wages and what would be considered uh, bad wages. So let's go down, uh, Robert, and read. What is that one? That's uh, Mark 10, 29, 30. Okay. Uh, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left. There was no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children's or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and lands with with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. So we're focusing right now on Jesus's call to give up our life, pick up our cross and follow him as a disciple. Mm -hmm. And and so if we do this, we're going to come into opposition with people on the earth, including our family. And this is going to give us wages according to his kingdom economy. That's going to give us wages now as we live on the earth as his people. And it will also give us wages in eternal life, which what we've already explained is age long life. The age being referred to is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ when he returns, which is what Jesus promised. When I return, I will repay. Okay. And so this is the um, ball game that we're explaining right now. So, and so, we'll give you some more ammunition. So, so this is saying, so if, if you leave your house, your brothers, your sister, your mother, father, etc., right. For his sake, you're going to receive a hundred time folds that in houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children. Right. And, and then, and then, but you're also going to get comma with persecutions. And that was when mm -hmm. I, I stumbled on that because I, I didn't expect to see that in this passage. I hadn't reread it. That's right? right. So, Oh, by the way, yeah. you're gonna get all this really good stuff, but yeah. there's going to be, there's going to be a bunch of rocks thrown your way as well. Right. Yeah. That's what it's saying. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you point that out very well because we do have a cost that Jesus said would be incurred when you follow him. Mm -hmm. And it'll be the persecutions that you receive, even from your closest allies. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that's part of the ball game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, 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 uh, you know, pulling no punches there. Right. And um, and but the incentive to do it is huge. Yeah. Right? So yeah, not only are we, we doing it, what's here, and I, I totally understand the, the hundredfold of brothers and sisters and mothers and childrens and stuff because, you know, my journey has been, you know, you find more brothers and sisters and, you know, yeah. you find more brothers 
than you ever would have that I think I ever would have found as just me as being a member of his of his follower, right? Being be, be a member of his church, right? So that one I get, you know, and then, um, and then, but um, yeah, okay. All right, we'll move on here. All right, Matthew Good. 16, 26, 27. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Okay, so remember, the, the things that are underlined is forfeit your soul and then repay each person. So we have the same theme. Soul is what's at stake. So justification and Jesus uh, works that, that actually reborn, uh, we were reborn in the spirit is is already done the growth and the sanctification of our soul is what's at stake and the glorification at the end where the soul would be elated in receiving the inheritance promised to those who overcome is what it means for our soul to be saved. And I'm going to read this passage real quick, Robert, from the book of Peter, just to remind our audience. It says, Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So Peter understood this. He understood that we are being tested right now. We're going through the wilderness. We're refining our faith. And that if we persevere, you will receive the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And the salvation of our soul is to be at the judgment seat of God and to be applauded, to be given those great words. You, you know, I know you well done. Mm -hmm. You know, you you served me well, come into the joy of your master. And we have these wonderful expressions of soul salvation. And we are going to continue using the word salvation because the Bible does. We don't want you to be confused again that there are different paths of salvation. There is the one that Jesus paid for. There's the one that we're going through that the Holy Spirit is taking us through, which is sanctification, salvation. Mm -hmm. It's actually called salvation. It's called being delivered. And then our future glorification, salvation, which is uh, conditioned upon how well we, we participated in the spirit of sanctification. So we will go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Robert, if you'll read that. Yeah. And then in case you missed it when we started the, uh, this episode, there are three plus hours on this three tenses of salvation in our library. I don't remember what episodes they are, but they're there and they're very good episodes. Um, really help explain that uh, to a great degree. So he who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. If the work that anyone has built upon the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. 
If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Yeah. And, and so, again, same theme, understanding that the works that we build on what foundation, Robert? That foundation uh, is the justification, right? So yeah. if we, hey, the, the, the foundational work was Jesus died for our sins. He died. That's right. To, for, to, and, then, and then gave us the Holy Spirit as a helper then to do these wages, right? To, to do the yeah. walker and the planting. Right. So yeah. now, depending on how we do the water and the planting, how we build upon what that that foundation, you know, um, we've said it before that, you know, as part of glorifications or to get into the kingdom, our robes will be cleansed. Right. Just like the robes of the of the high priest were cleansed. You couldn't be in God's presence if your robes weren't. Pure, clean. Right. Yeah. And so That's this. Correct. So to yeah. me, what they're talking about here is, hey, the, the work that I'm doing, right, the work that's built upon that foundation is the cleansing of my robes, using that and analogy. Let me, you, let me ask you, were we given clean robes in Christ? Yes. That first yeah. day, right? The first second, <laughs> right? That yeah. we were forgiven for, for just a moment, probably, yeah. maybe longer for others, <laughs> probably less for me. We were yeah. given, we were, we had purely clean robes for a little while, right? That's right. And, and I'll so just, if, I'll, yeah, and I'll just quote Second Corinthians chapter 7 about what Paul said about this. He said, cleanse yourselves in the fear of the Lord. Paul understood that there, that in this world, we can still get dirty and we can still get stains but we are called to keep our robes clean and so to cleanse ourselves in the fear of the lord means that we will repent this is paul's message by the way in second corinthians 7 to the corinthian church who has sinned and has stained their garments mm -hmm. and he's asking them to repent repent and come back and that's the way we cleanse our garments, agree with God, and continue racing faithfully. And so this is the ball game. And so in this um, in this understanding, we have um, an, another verse, which comes from Second John one eight through nine. Got I just that, had Robert? this. Yeah, I just had this vision. I got to share, and uh -huh. Lux will edit it out, but. Um, of like uh, the the metal detector at the airport, right? Yeah, and that yeah. we're walking through that metal detector at the airport, right? As we enter the kingdom, and it's like you know, how clean are your robes? And if if they're not very clean, they get burned up, right? Or singed, right? Right. And all yeah. of a sudden, you so you walk through this thing, and you're like, well, how did I do? And you walk out, and you're still robed, and only a few singes around the edges that. Uh, that had to be yeah, dealt yeah. with, then you probably did pretty good, right? But you walk through there and it goes, Foof, and you're naked. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're going to go over to that line and uh, go through some extra extra work here, boys, uh, to be yeah. through the yeah. fire, to be purified, right? To be cleansed. To be further clothed as well. Re-clothed, right? Yeah. 
Well, and, and that actually is, is the instruction given to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3, because they had actually taken off their robe, mm. and they were viewed as being naked. Yeah. And, and so they had to go through what they needed to go through in order to put back on their robe. Mm-hmm. And, and this is even in the book of Revelation, where all these people show up at the throne of God, and they have these white robes on and John is going, who are these people showing up? And, and the angel tells John, well, you know who they are. They just came out of the great tribulation and cleansed their robes in the blood of the lamb. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, that's what we're talking about. This is a race to the kingdom. Yeah. And honestly, and I, and I, I'm sorry to get stuck here, maybe just a little bit longer than maybe we, we intended to, but, but to me, you know, this, what we're talking about right now and this whole concept, this is what codified to me as you and I started to get to know each other and and, and I started to, to understand what you were talking about. This is what codified to me the race to the kingdom, yeah. right? That cleansing of the robes, that they're, that they're you, you've got to walk through that metal detector, right? That, that holiness detector at the end of this race because... You can't get into the airport. You can't get into the kingdom. You can't be in God's presence unless you're truly pure, unless you're truly holy. Right. And 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 whether we do it for ourselves or we get sent back through, you know, to have to pull our pockets out and figure out what we're carrying in our pockets because we can't get through the metal detector and have to go yeah. through and, and and go through a process, right? You know. Yeah. We're all working. Paul was worried about, (laughs) do I get to walk through? Am I going to reach the point where I can walk through and I don't have to go back through something else to come back through this thing again? Right. And and that's really the benefit, Robert, of of the harvest imagery. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's some there's some we're going to get into one of those articles a little bit later in on the racetrack. But there are some great um, articles on the website on on just the Internet. I mean, that uh, other people have done on the harvest cycles mm-hmm. and the feast days and what they represent. And so the idea of God harvesting his people, harvesting the earth, and those who get the benefit of being harvested first, rather than those who get harvested in the middle which is called the main harvest or those who get harvested at the end, which is called the gleanings. All this has um, implications to the race, to our sanctification, to even being honored in receiving inheritance. So this, you know, this is the race to the kingdom and you're right. It's very important. So why don't you continue with second John? Second John one, eight, nine. Watch yourself so that you that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Yeah. So you do and all so, this work, and then all of a sudden, yeah. there you know, a week from the end, two corners from the you know from the end of the race or whatever, you like. This is all BS. I'm done. I'm walking away from it. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to 
get some hookers and some blow and and go gamble away my whatever I've gained and you lose it, right? Uh, we might we might want to edit out that part. <laughs> I think we can say hookers and blow on a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> and and one two three, but but yeah, I uh, you know Second John one eight and nine when it comes to abiding um, is what it means to remain in Christ and to remain in His teaching. Mm. So abide means to remain. Yep. And if you remain in Christ and in his teaching, what it means to have both the Father and the Son means that you will receive the inheritance and the promises given by the Father and the Son. And, and this becomes significant to our future inheritance. And so we have one more, Revelation chapter 11, verse 18. Read that one, will you, Robert? Yeah, the nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of earth. Yeah, so we, we again, we have this uh, harvest cycle um, showing itself in the book of Revelation. And so the ones that were already harvested out were the ones who feared the name of the Lord, the ones who were the prophets and the saints, and they are now going to receive their wages for their life. Okay, so again, very, very big understanding as it plays out through the Bible. And um, I, you know, one of the things that that we want you to understand is that the good works that we are asked to perform, right? We are God's workmanship to perform the good works which he prepared for us to walk in. These are all the commands given to us in the new covenant. So I know that this will really hit some of you upside the head. So, so... Back in yes. the old covenant, there was only like 667 or 43. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in there, 600 uh, some odd. Yeah. Yeah. And and we thought that was a lot. Right? It was more so, than 10, less than 700. <laughs> and the 10 were just the categories. So the 10 were the categories, the details on how that played out uh, in practical life mm -hmm. became the 643. And so now the New Testament, which most people believe, you know, we have the bar that has um, actually been accomplished by Jesus, and now that bar is not our bar. Well, in actuality, it's risen. And because of what Christ has done, and because of the benefit that we have in the Holy Spirit and the gift that was given to us, we're held accountable to a higher level. So, Robert, these yep. two, these two um, links, yeah, yeah, these two links. How many verses? How many commands actually are there in the New Testament? Uh, so I know this answer because um, it's written there on the screen, uh, right there. Um, there's a thousand and fifty. I would yeah. not have known that answer had. Um, you, know, you just straight up asked me, 
And right. so this document uh, link has them categorized by um, by just categorized by category, children, church discipline, et cetera, are here, right? And I mean, so this is, you know, knowing that he, that such has, is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. So that's, you know, this is obviously King James. Um, so that's a little harder to read. Well, read that next one. Read the next one, uh, 216, Revelation. 216, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Yeah, and so this was a command to the church to repent of the of the works that God did not ask them to do. Mm -hmm. The works the works that he doesn't like. Yeah. And so again, these commands have practical implications to our lives. And so it's right. it's interesting yeah. to read all these. Right. Um, Here's a, you know, make not my father's house a house of merchandise essentially is what yeah. uh, John 2.16, right? Yeah. Um, so we have that. And then, then the next document is a sort of a different version of that. Um, and it is now more where the categories, it's sort of, you know, abstain from, ask for, be this, uh, avoid right. this, wake to this. Uh, so different, same stuff, just arranged in a different way. Um, and so to to understand how we are to receive these wages, it is to be found faithful in all of God's commands. It, it's not changed. So what changed is how we do it. So back in the old covenant, there were 643, which God gave, and they were good. All of them were good. All of them were righteous. All of them were loving we were able to only obey them. We were only able to obey them externally, mm -hmm. not from the heart. Right. And so the external things that we had to go through, the sacrifices, the cleansings of the skin, the dietary laws, all right. the things that the Moses uh, law required of, of the people of God, um, couldn't change the heart but it did satisfy God for a time. And then he came and he gave Christ to change the heart. And now the spirit of God has been given. The bar has been right, been raised because uh, murder is not only physical murder. It's the murder of the heart. If you hate your brother, you have murdered him in your heart. The bar has actually been risen. And so God came to give the Holy Spirit in order to live out a, a life that pleases him. Mm -hmm. And we can now please him from the heart. But we have 150 commands now in order to do that. 1,050. Yeah, 1,050. And I will tell you guys that when the, um, the big revival broke out um, earlier this year. Um, that um, one of the, the one at the college that lasted for... 24 yeah. hours a day for several weeks, right? Right. Yeah. And they were actually studying the commands of God in the New Testament. Mm. And because they were studying those commands, they got convicted by the Spirit to repent. And that created a revival, a revival yeah. of following God, a revival of pleasing Him 
of coming back to him, of living a life pleasing to him, of obeying the Holy Spirit, okay? This is the, they, they basically renewed their race to the kingdom is what they did. They you know, came, they, yeah. Go ahead. I'm scanning through this and you had just mentioned, because I when you had mentioned that the 643 or 67, whichever it is, the, the laws of the, of the Old Testament were all good. I was like, you know, that has to be then the same here, right? All of these laws have to be good, right? Yeah. And yep. I'm just, you know, just scanning through here. You know, I haven't read every single one, but I, I don't see any one. And that would be consistent, right? The Bible is never inconsistent. It never contradicts itself. So, That's right. You know, That's um, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. be watchful and strengthen the, yourself. Be zealous and repent. Can't say anything yeah. bad about that, right? Uh, yeah. Be anxious for nothing. You know, be angry to be angry and not sin. I wonder. I have to look that one up. Uh, and sin not, I get, but be angry. I'll have to. We'd have to look at the uh, at that one to see because yeah, be so angry doesn't actually, sound right, but sin not I, does. Yeah, actually, that's a very good uh, example, and and it's an example that the church um, has has um, defiled. So to be angry is to be angry against what causes you to sin. And this is what the context is to this, is, is the understanding that, you know, when Jesus was angry, that the um, religious leaders were using God's house as a marketplace. Mm. Yep. Okay. Um, he had to make a whip and cleanse the church. And this was a loving thing to do right. because again, to save people from the wrath of God, from the anger of God. Um, when you take a stand, mm. anger is a good thing because God has it. Yeah. Okay. So you can't, you can't say anger is a bad thing. Right. Anger out of control. God says, sure. is back. And that's where, right. where yeah, you, you pop yeah. off, you know, some guy cuts you off in traffic. That's the anger I think of when I saw that word, right? Right. Um, yeah. You know, but but really the, the context here, and this is a rabbit hole, guys, and I apologize, but it's kind of interesting. So therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we all, we are members one and of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief mm. no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. a little sidetrack there. But, but. <laughs> and, and one thing that I think that we've missed out on is that we as a body of Christ we need to take a stand against the devil, against his work, against the world, mm -hmm. against conforming to the pattern of this world. So, and against our own flesh, to crucify our flesh. Okay, all these are commands in the Bible. So anger, uh, just like you probably have noticed in your own practical life, Anger usually happens at injustice. So whenever you've been taken advantage of, whenever somebody wrongly accused you, whatever it may be, 
anger rose up inside of you. If somebody, you know, uh, you've heard of the mama bear, if somebody attacked your kids Mm -hmm. and, and abused your children, and then your anger rises up. So again, this is very important because anger causes us to take a stand. And it's supposed to cause us to take a stand for righteousness. It's not supposed to cause us to take a stand for selfishness. Mm-hmm. And that's the anger that God doesn't like. Yeah. When we stand for our own purpose, for our own rulership, for our own glory, and our own reputation, that is not glorifying to God. But when we take a stand for his glory, for his righteousness, and we choose to follow after him, anger against what causes us or tempts us not to do that is a good thing. So that that is a good segue, Robert. I th- I'm glad that you pointed that one out. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I'm not sorry. The spirit leads us in certain places and it happens to work, right? That's uh, right. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> back to the episode. Back to the wages. Yeah. Um, so the hearty now we're warning. James, yep, the hearty warnings receiving a bad repayment when James returns. So James 5, 4 through 7, 7 through 8, or 4 through 5 and 7 through 8. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for his precious fruit, fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Yeah. And so, and, and remember, the encouragement to maintain the course and to run our faithful race is always in light of the coming of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's always in light of you want a good judgment and you don't want a bad judgment. And you don't... Don't be found at the judgment to have lived a life of self-indulgence, okay? And this is what James is telling the church. And we have this same understanding in 2 Corinthians 5.10. Robert, if you'll read that. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that we may each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So we have a payment, a repayment also for evil. Mm -hmm. We don't just have a repayment for good, but we also have a repayment for evil. And just so we don't mistake, um, you know, we've gone over, we've gone over poneros. We've gone over the uh, word poneros and Mm -hmm. the idea of evil in the body of Christ. So Jesus thought that the, um, that the works of the Israelites leaving Egypt and he having to judge them on their way to the promised land because they did what was evil in his sight. Okay. These are his children. We can still do evil. This is not non-believers. The word evil means again, to um, uh, miss out on doing what pleases God. 
whatever does not please God is evil. Okay, it's it's that simple, right? And so we have um, it's notice that the word evil, Robert, uh, spell it backwards. Live, live, live. Okay, so you see again, it's the opposite of living. So living is following God's ways. Evil is not following God's ways. It's the opposite. And so that's really cool. Um, and we have, a, we have a passage here, which again, go back, read the context, see that it, it is talking to all of God's creatures, including his church. So this comes from Romans 2, 5, and, and through 11. To read that right. Because your hard and impatient heart, because of your hard and impatient heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God right, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor for and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also for the Greek, for the God shows no, for God shows no partiality. So notice this is based on works. This is not based on your faith of a belief in Jesus Christ. This is based on your work of either doing good or, or doing unrighteousness, which is what we've been talking about in all these passages to the church. So Adam Allah, don't just look at, oh, uh, my preacher said, I can't come under the wrath of God. Okay. Wrath just means God's controlled anger. Okay, look it up in the Greek. It means God's controlled anger. He has had controlled anger over his people throughout the entire Bible. Okay, it's never changed. Mm -hmm. And so don't misrepresent certain things. Okay, and and so go with go with the mass of instruction given to the church and even Ephesians chapter five is so telling that we can be partakers with the sons of disobedience and incure the wrath of God. And so the wrath of God is his controlled anger against those that he loves. And he will meet out because God will not be mocked, Galatians chapter 6. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Okay. So God's design for his people has been the same. It's not changed. We're racing in Christ. We have a, a, an unbelievable opportunity in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life pleasing to God. We also have the opportunity to live a life in the flesh. And we cannot please God. And, and these are the warnings given that our wages will be determined by whether we pleased him or whether we did not please him. And so we have some questions for you at the end. Mm -hmm. 
of the article, yep. which helped you, you reflect. So one of the things I wanted to do, and and I'm, this is, um, we'll, we're going to pause it right there at questions for you, and so we're or we're on pause right now. Um, yeah. So I uh, we are recording again. Okay. So Keith, um, thanks for entertaining my uh, my my uh, little view of uh, the Free Burma Rangers. There, I it's um, the movie that I find. Amazing! It's one of my favorite movies, and uh, um, David's commitment to being the narrow path is um, just an inspiration for me. So, um, guys, we're going to finish this up. Uh, this finishes up our series on uh, God is a hoodie. We hope you've enjoyed it. And the next episode, we'll start up uh, a new um, watering station and uh, and get some other content going your way. As always. Um, spread our word. Uh, if you, if you find us, however you find us, shoot an email to a buddy, uh, ask him to shoot an email to a friend. Um, I'm not sure anybody will ever find us because we got five star reviews on iTunes. I'm going to ask for it anyway, because I think I have to, it's required, but, um, just interact with us, share us, uh, comment, anything that you can do to help get the word of the kingdom out. We really yeah. appreciate it, and, and I know God appreciates it. I've never been more positive of anything than I am positive that God's in this with Keith and I. So, yeah. Keith, say goodbye, and we'll see you guys all next time. Yeah, thanks, guys. And as a reminder, at the bottom of our articles, remember to be a good Berean and be diligent in studying the scriptures to show yourself approved and encourage others to do the same. Run a good race. See you.